Welcome to the Chapman CG Podcast, inspiring and informative conversations with HR leaders from around the world. So the diversity and inclusion piece is often described as a journey. Some practitioners suggest that that journey never really ends. But if there is an ultimate destination, then it is a workplace and culture where the full spectrum of differences in people and their thinking are present, normalized, and fully utilized as an asset. Um, I'm here with Michael Neerham, Senior Vice President and Global Head of HR at Ross Pharmaceuticals, to discuss his views on diversity and inclusion. Michael, would you be able to uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Ross? Sure. So I lead, as you said, the pharmaceutical um, uh, group, which um, encompasses about 42,000 people and about $37 right. billion in sales, and we're located in approximately 120 countries. Uh, my, and my team is spread throughout the world, um, from the U.S. to uh, Singapore to Sao Paulo to Switzerland. Right. Okay. So a huge global footprint there, and you know, I'm sure you know, very diversity is approached sort of very differently uh, as per location or region. How do you approach that? Yeah. No. It's a, it's a great question. You know, if I, if I give you some background here, we started looking at mm. diversity, I guess, about five years ago, and at that at that time, our CEO Severin Schwan, um, he took a bold. Um, a bold step forward and um, decided that he really wanted to focus him and the executive committee on gender diversity. And so what I would say is, right. you know, over the five years, it was a bit controversial um, because some people thought it was a good idea. Others thought uh, they didn't totally get the why. We've made a lot of progress in those five years. Mm. Um, but gender was the easy one because, quite honestly, you know, once people got their head around it, they could at least understand why gender mattered. What I've been trying to do across pharma as a next step is to go beyond gender. And, and, of course, in that, in that realm, it's to think what's most relevant within a given geography. And so, for instance, in China, it may be different than what's important in Brazil, which is, you know, different from what's important in the U.S. So we've tried to um, create a structure where we focus globally on certain aspects, but then really provide a lot of flexibility mm-hmm. locally for, for affiliates to decide what's most relevant to them. Right. I see. Okay. And when you're sort of going beyond gender, um, what are the sort of other key areas of diversity inclusion that you're, you're looking at or, or, or measuring? Yeah, a couple things. So for us, you know, we started with um, diversity, and then, of course, then we, we um, mm. moved beyond to inclusion. And I think this is something that's really taken hold in the organization. It's something that people get. So mm. for us, it's important that people understood the why. why. Why does it really matter to them? Why does it matter to the company? And once we got to the business driver behind it, I think there people began to support it a lot more. So for us, it was really about um, this diversity of thought, um, diversity of experience. Mm. And for that, it's, um, it's helping, help, having the right people with this diversity of experience to help us make better decisions and then ultimately drive innovation. And I think without the diversity and inclusion, it's really not possible. And have you found that... Um Typically, when you're looking at the market as a whole, that, that's a kind of evolutionary process that other firms are looking at as, as well or finding? Yeah, I would say that um, I think some of the more progressive companies, that's what you've seen, is they started with diversity. And then as they moved, you know, as they, as they focus on diversity and, 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 and have that mix, it's about, you know, how do you make that mix work? And that's where inclusion comes in. And that's where you've seen the IBMs and, and other organizations that have really, you know, taken it a step forward. The other thing I'd say, Alan, is, is for us, one of the key focus here is for us, um, in addition, of course, or I guess in support of it, has really been about, um, about breadth of experience. And so this has been a next wave that we've talked a lot about last year, which is if you look at our business plan, 
a lot of the growth from us comes from the emerging markets. And what we've seen is mm. we don't have leaders that have this breadth of experience to understand, you know, how to work and how to operate in, in these emerging markets. And without this breadth of experience, we wow. probably miss opportunities. So for us, this next wave has been about how do we develop leaders that um, have this understanding and we're trying to move folks from emerging markets to developed markets and vice versa. So you, is, that, is that sort of impacting talent acquisition as well as just the management of the talent that you have internally at the moment? It is. I mean, so, I mean, certainly the expectation we have of leaders is that um, when they look at their teams, they're thinking about, you know, first of all, how diverse is it? So, and that diversity could be, of course, gender. It could be nationality. Mm-hmm. It could be um, mm-hmm. work experience, you know, pharma, non-pharma. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be generation. And then, of course, you know, what are they doing to actually make it inclusive so they're getting the best out of people, so, peop- so employees feel that they can come forward, um, share their perspectives, and feel like what they say matters. So it's a bit of both. Excellent. And are you noticing that they're, when they're given that autonomy, these leaders, that they are you know, actively promoting the, the sort of DNI initiatives themselves and it's not just coming from you from sort of top down you know i'd say um so yes but i'd say it, it didn't happen overnight and i think what you said in the beginning is exactly right it's definitely a journey so mm. i would say in the beginning you know we put the um the pharma leadership board through training so each one of us went through unconscious bias training as a team and then each one of us actually spent some time thinking through what's the business case why does it really matter how will it actually help us um, in our business and I think once once a top team really got it, understood it, and felt like they could really get behind it and support it and see it as a real advantage, they began then to cascade it and have discussions with their own leadership teams. And I would say in, in 2015, um, as an organization, I think this is where it really started moving. Once the business case mm-hmm. beca- became clear to people, I think then people really bought into it. And started leading a bit differently. So that's definitely one initiative that you've, which is having a, you know, a significant impact. Are there, are there any others that you're, look, you have looked at, or you're thinking of looking out for 2016? You know, one of the things that we've done is, um, so for us, of course, um, this all supports building a great place to work, and so we mm. do focus an awful lot on engagement throughout the company. So, you know, every affiliate or global function has, um, we call GEOS. It's basically an engagement score. Mm-hmm. And what we've done now is we're incorporating actually um, an inclus- inclusion index into it. And it's basically six questions that can help leaders understand how inclusive an organization have they actually created. And once they get they can actually see where they have um, strengths and where they have gaps and then really develop action plans around it. And I think this is a differentiator that, that honestly I've not seen with other companies, but certainly for our leaders, they're finding it incredibly valuable. Yeah, I've not heard of that, to be honest, yeah, out there in the market. So there's definitely something you sound that you're uh, pioneering. That's great. And are there any sort of other you know, organizations that, you know, obviously that there's a difference, they're not looking at what you're doing there, but are there any other organizations that you're kind of seeing in the market who are making great start, strides in diversity and inclusion in their, their approaches? Yeah, I would say, you know, there's companies like um, Sodexo, IBM, mm-hmm. and I would say almost most of the consultancy firms uh, I mean, you look at Ernst Young's, Deloitte, PwC. I think you know those companies are are certainly progressive. I mean, it's part of their business, and I think they they practice it quite well internally. But if I if I think about um, you know IBM, I think they've been a leader in diversity and inclusion probably since the start. I mean, since it really became a focus area. Uh, mm. If I'm not mistaken, I think IBM. 
probably has the most, if not, they're in the top three of, um, of patents. And they actually, um, they attribute a lot of it to their focus on diversity and inclusion. So okay. I think, you know, they're, they're role models from, uh, from my perspective. And they've done a lot to focus on women and also on flexible career paths. Is, is there a lot, a lot of interaction that you sort of found in the market among these leaders? Are they sort of sharing information with each other or you know, are they kind of forums to, to, to see how, how to approach it in different ways? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm not sure how much they share directly one-on-one, but certainly there's, there's a number mm-hmm. of forums that, um, that exist today and, and where practitioners come together and really talk about what are they doing, what's been the impact, and, you know, where are things moving. And, and I do think actually mm-hmm. those are, are quite useful. I mean, these are, these are sort of, you know, quite innovative organizations that you sort of mentioned and, you know, as, as with yourselves, you're always looking for the next big thing. And there are, you know, a lot of the traditional, very traditional industries and organizations out there that maybe haven't made the strides that, that you've made. Um, I mean, in your opinion, how could a you know, more traditional organization successfully include diversity and inclusion philosophies and, and agendas into their culture? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think the starting point is they have to decide why are they doing it, right? I think when um, when organizations try and push from HR where it's an HR initiative, that's where I think it probably doesn't um, doesn't work so well. I think it's it's getting the leadership on board to really, you know, to understand it and to buy into it and to see it as a real business imperative. And I think once you have that, I think then you've got a, a great starting point. And then from there, I think it's a matter of actually – thinking through how do they actually weave it into their, their practices, whether it be their recruitment practices, whether it be their succession planning, whether it be performance management. And I think, you know, once mm. they fully get it, it's just um, it's making sure that it's fully integrated. And, I th- you know, I don't think that's so difficult, but I think the starting point is just making sure that top leader and that leadership team are fully 100% behind it, where that they own it. And, and for us, I think that, mm. was, um, that was a turning point from when HR owned it to the business owning it. You know, you saw just um, momentum change quite significantly. Is that sort of, I guess, it reflects all the way through the organization and that it's coming from the business, therefore, you know, it's affecting the bottom line as well? Yeah, absolutely. We have, um, within our company, we have um, what I call D9 ambassadors, and mm-hmm. um, we intentionally made them folks from the business. And these are business leaders that are seen as highly credible, but they're also passionate about the topic and they really understand the why. And so they're leading it within their functions or, or respective regions. And I think this makes a huge difference. HR plays more of a, an enabler support role to them, um, but they're mm-hmm. driving it. Fantastic. You've given that sort of buy-in and reach globally. That's great. So, so from your, your sort of um, your views um, you know, for, for Roche, but also from the broader market, what does the future of diversity and inclusion look like? Yeah, look, for, from my perspective, it just it gets even more important. I mean, if, if I look at all the data out there, and I think most people have seen it, but, you know, there was a recent report by, I think it was McKenzie Global Institute, and what they said was by 2020 that we'd that employers could face a shortage by as much as 13% of educated skill workers. So that's that's 40 million less workers than are needed. You look at you know four to five generations in the workplace. You look at the the millennial generation. What uh, I think over the next 10 years, 50 to as much as 75% of the employees will, will be millennials. Um, you have women and non-whites that make up 80% of the educated workforce. So. I mean, the demographics are changing so dramatically. And I think if organizations aren't in tune to this and aren't thinking about how do they attract these folks, but also how do they actually, again, how do they create a really inclusive organization where, you know, people want to join them, want to stay with them, and ultimately we can get the best out of these folks as far as their ideas. And, 
you know, I think if we do those things, then I think we'll have a, a great chance of being successful. I think if not, then I think, you know, I think it'll be a difference maker between those organizations that really attract the best and the brightest and those that don't. Now, thank you very much, Michael. really appreciate your insights there. That was Michael, Michael Neelam, Senior Vice President of Global HR at Ross Pharmaceuticals, discussing his views on the evolution of diversity and inclusion in HR. Thank you very much, Michael. Oh, thanks, Alan. For more excellent conversations from Chapman CG, subscribe to our podcast series or check us out at chapmancg.com.